Hi and Silver and Gut Check Media presents The Pilgrim's Progress From this world to that which is to come John Bunyan's timeless Christian allegory As told by Zachary Bartles Chapter 12 The Crown Incorruptible Faithful and Christian had practically talked themselves hoarse over the course of several hours, catching each other up on their progress so far. As they walked, the landscape had grown all the bleaker until they were surrounded by what could only be described as wilderness on all sides. They barely noticed, though, as they were joyfully recounting their experiences on the Pilgrim Road, discovering that they had never been far from one another, even though they hadn't known it. Did you ever see Pliable again after I set out? Christian asked. I assume he made it back home. Oh, yes, he did. That's how I knew about some of your earlier adventures, how you fell into the slough of despond, which I avoided since I was warned by him ahead of time. But I'll tell you, if that little man expected to be celebrated for turning back, he had another thing coming. Everyone in the city mocked and derided him. His, his former friends broke contracts with him. I fear that he is now either ruined or worse. I don't understand. Christian said. Why should our townspeople be so set against him? They despised the way, and he forsook the way. Sounds like a match made in uh, the hell, I guess. I don't know, but the day before I left, a mob had gathered against him, shouting, hang him, he's a turncoat. He was not true to his profession. Perhaps God stirred up their sinful hearts to make a proverb of him for others who might be tempted to forsake the way. Did you ever talk to him? I saw him once in the streets and called out to him, but he leered away on the other side as one ashamed of what he had done. Christian shook his head. A sad tale, really. I truly had high hopes for that man, but it sounds as though he will perish in the overthrow of that city. It's like King Solomon wrote, as a dog returns to his vomit and the washed sow to her wallowing, so a fool returns to his folly. And I suppose the opposite is true as well. You avoided my failure altogether, having heard the tale of the slough. Did you see the steps passing through it? I did. And I'm thankful for them, and for the signs warning me ahead of time. It sounds like falling in was a real trial of faith. Oh yes, that slough was among the worst moments of my pilgrimage so far. Right, right there at the outset, too. Perhaps only surpassed by the most recent trials. My battle with Apollyon and the horrors of the valley we've just left. How did you fare against those? Apollyon I did not meet, although in the Valley of Humiliation I was hounded by two lying spirits who wished to turn my heart to wax and thus turn me back from the holy city. But after that, I had sunny skies all the way through that valley and the next one. Huh. That sounds rather, uh, is there a word that means pleasant for you, but ultimately unfair? <laughs> yeah, well, don't get me wrong, I have certainly faced troubles of my own, namely three that continue to vex my spirit. Tell me of them, Christian said. Well, first, the same man who drove me out of my house chased me uphill difficulty and beat me nearly to death. I begged him for mercy, and he, he told me he did not know how to show mercy. I fear he would have killed me had I not been... Are, are you all right, Christian? You, you need not tell me this story, for I was there. I hid among the trees while the lawgiver thrashed you, although I did not recognize you for your wounds. 
Oh, forgive me, Faithful. Had I stopped to offer you aid, we might have been together from that moment on. Faithful grinned. I was given aid by another. I know. I saw him, too. They walked in reverent silence for a while before Christian asked, What were the other two trials? There was a woman, wanton. She tried to seduce me to leave the way and follow her home. I think I saw that woman along the road, before the wicket gate. I I made sure to avoid her, having read in my book just that morning how even a few words from her lying mouth cast the patriarch Joseph down into the darkness of Pharaoh's dungeon for years. I wish I'd been as wise as you. I I offered to walk with her for a time. You cannot imagine what an enticing, flattering tongue she had. She promised me all manner of content. Oh, so she promised you the, the content of a good conscience? You know what I mean. All carnal and fleshly contentment. She knew my past. She knew my besetting sins. She was very convincing. Thank God you escaped her. She has brought down many strong men. Faithful's voice dropped to a whisper. That's just it. I don't know that I did wholly escape her. Did you give in to her enticements? No, not to defile myself. I quoted a proverb at her, and she railed on me, and I ran to the gate, but... See? You did make good, your escape. So, what was the third test? Faithful's face went pale. Well, it wasn't another woman. It was uh, an old man. Adam the First. He offered me so many convincing promises, and I truly considered taking his offer... But by God's grace, it burned hot in my mind that he intended to sell me as a slave. I told him to be gone, and he reviled me and promised to send such and such friends of his after me and make my way bitter to my soul. Empty talk, you know. But then, as I turned to leave him, I felt him take hold of my flesh and gave me such a deadly jerk back that I thought he had pulled part of me after himself. I cried out, "'Oh, wretched man!' Then I threatened to kill him and and made a lot of bluster about it. But even as I ascended the hill, that part of me which he pulled back, I continued to feel it, still turned back, oriented toward his house and his daughters and his empty promises of wages and happiness and an earthly inheritance. Do you feel it now, still? I, I think I do. Especially when I'm under the- Hello, gentlemen! A man came walking up briskly beside them, greeting them bombastically. He was tall, his clothes and hair immaculately kept, and his very long beard, well-groomed and oiled. Good day to you, Faithful said. My name is Talkative, the man said. I'm on my way to the heavenly country. As are we. I'm Faithful, and this is Christian. Pleased to make both of your acquaintance. Er, acquaint- acquaintances? Acquaintances. Anyway, if, if we are headed to the same place, would you be averse to some company along the way? I don't know, Christian said. The two of us have just been reunited after some time apart, and we've been catching up on our respective journeys so far, and... Come now, Christian, Faithful said. These aren't dark secrets we're sharing. Rather, we've been relating how our king has kept us safe through every trial thus far. We'd love to hear from you as well, if you're up to it. Talkative rubbed his hands together. You're singing my tune, Faithful. I've always said, to talk of things that are good is the greatest good. Agreed? Christian squinted. 
I'm not sure that that's... And I am very glad to talk of such things, with you or with any other. I've been disappointed and rather troubled at how many pilgrims along this way waste their time when they could be deep in good conversation. That is a thing to be lamented, Faithful said. After all, I can think of no better use of the mouths God gave us than to speak of holy things. I like you, Talkative pronounced. I like how you speak with conviction, and I would agree that there are so many good things to talk about that boggles the mind when people waste the opportunity. There's the history or mystery of things, or miracles, signs and wonders, or or doctrine and the particulars of scripture. Yes, Christian said, but not just to talk of them, right? Our aim should be that we are profited by our conversation. Oh, yay. Yay, yay, yay. Talking of these things is most profitable. That's that's what I said. It helps us see the benefit of things above and the vanity of things below, to, to speak of the insufficiency of our own works, the necessity of the new birth, and the imputation of Christ's righteousness. This is how people learn to repent and believe, to pray and suffer and all the rest. I agree wholeheartedly, Faithful said. For lack of instruction, many ignorantly remain in the works of the law, which cannot save them. Right? I believe we are kindred spirits, sir. Hold on a minute, Christian said. This heavenly knowledge is the gift of God. Therefore, it is not obtained by mere talk or even by great human effort. Yay, I know this, indeed. Salvation is 100% grace and 0% works. I could give you a thousand scriptures to prove it. No need, Faithful said. We are of the same mind on this. I I should probably apologize, Talkative said. My zeal gets the best of me sometimes when I get to talking. I can talk on almost anything. Things heavenly or things earthly, things moral or things evangelical, things sacred or things profane, things past or things to come, things foreign or things at home, things essential or things more circumstantial, provided that all be done to our profit, as good Christian has said. Faithful laughed. (laughs) You're an odd fellow, Talkative, but I like you. I'm not sure your uh, friend feels the same way. He gestured at Christian, who was now trailing behind by a dozen steps or so, hugging the outside of the path. Hmm. Let me have a word with him a moment, Faithful said, falling back to walk alongside his friend. Christian, I'm sorry if I should not have invited him to join us. I just figured the fewer the better fare, but the more the merrier, you know. Do you truly not know this man? Christian asked, quietly, falling back yet further in his steps. He's from our hometown. Now that you mention it, I was thinking I, I sold his father a set of horseshoes. Oh, what was his name? Saywell, of Prating Row, father of Talkative, who is well known to be a sorry fellow, his fine tongue notwithstanding. Seems all right to me. That's just it. He is better abroad, but the nearer he is to home, the uglier he gets. Not unlike certain painters whose pictures are best viewed at a distance. (laughs) Well, very well put. I wish I were joking. I'm hesitant to say too much for fear of falling into gossip, but be warned about this man. As he talks now with you, he will also talk on the ale bench. And the more drink he has in his crown, the more words he has in his mouth. Sometimes foul words, sometimes religious. And yet, fill his mouth as it may, religion has no place in his heart, or house, or life. You will find no prayer in his home, nor any sign of repentance. Bear this proverb in mind. They say and do not. This man is a saint abroad and a devil at home, as they say. That seems a bit harsh. You are sure of all this? Do you know one wanderlust? 
Yes, we've met here and there. Well, that man has traveled to the distant east many times and done business with many shrewd and cunning street merchants, and he told me he'd rather deal with ten of them than with talkative. From a pilgrim's point of view, this man, by his righteous talk and empty life, has caused many to stumble and fall, and unless God prevents it, will be the ruin of many more. Faithful scowled. Now you are getting into gossip. I tell you what, let us test this man's doctrine and see for ourselves if it truly be heresy or just hearsay. I suppose you're right. You lead the way, Faithful. The two of them picked up their pace and rejoined talkative. Sorry about that, Faithful said. We'd be happy to walk with you for a time. Finally, I thought we should have had a great deal of talk by now. Then let us waste no more time. The topic will be this. How does the saving grace of God manifest itself in the human heart? Talkative grinned. Oh, I see we'll be talking about the power of things. I like it. Now then, there are several answers to your question. First, the grace of God causes a great outcry against sin. Well put, Faithful replied, throwing a triumphant grin at Christian. Why, thank you. Secondly, it gives rise to great knowledge of gospel mysteries. And third, it does... Hold on, just a minute there. The three of them wheeled to see a familiar man coming up from behind them. Evangelist! Christian rushed in to hug him, but bounced off Faithful, who beat him to the embrace. Oh, is this a greeting or an attack? Evangelist laughed. I, I apologize, Faithful said. It's just, it's... Oh, very good to see you. And uh, look who I found along the way. He grabbed Christian by the scruff of the neck and gave him a shake. <laughs> Ow. Evangelist looked happily from one man to the other, and then to Talkative, who stood beyond them, tapping his foot and looking dubious. Talkative, Evangelist said, nodding. Good to see you. Yes, yes, hooray, you're here, but uh, we were just in the middle of a most productive conversation before you interrupted, and I heard you were discussing the evidence of God's saving grace. I would love to join the discussion, if I might. Talkative turned his back and resumed walking up the road, saying, I do not enjoy talking with you, sir. The others followed him, and Evangelist said, Fair enough, but I'd like to put in my tuppence just the same, if I might. Perhaps it will benefit these other pilgrims. I doubt it. But... Talkative, I believe you said that the first sign of God's saving grace in the heart is that it stirs up a great outcry against sin. Do you two gentlemen agree? Faithful nodded. Sound doctrine indeed. I'm not so sure, Evangelist said. I think you should rather say that God's saving grace inclines the soul to abhor its sin. Oh, here we go again with the semantics. Talkative looked at Faithful and rolled his eyes. This man would split a hair and then split it again. What difference is there between crying out against sin and abhorring it? A world of difference. Well, this I've got to hear. A man might cry out against sin by principle alone, but he cannot abhor it except by a God-given hatred in his heart, which accompanies a God-given love for his Creator. I've heard men cry out against a sin in the pulpit and then make nice with that selfsame sin throughout the week. Or think about Potiphar's wife, who cried out with great indignation as if she were very holy, but she would have most willingly defiled herself with Joseph. Or consider this, I once saw a mother whose child nearly ran into the river scold the child so sharply that you would think she despised this little girl. But then she began to cry and held her close and kissed her again and again. She cried out against the child, but she did not abhor her. 
You are nitpicking again, I think. I'm not trying to. At any rate, back to you. What did you say was the second evidence of God's saving grace? <sighs> Never mind. I believe he said great knowledge of gospel mysteries, Christian supplied. Talkative shook his head. I suppose you have some issue with that as well. Hmm? I was thinking it should have been first, Faithful said. Christian shook his head. First or last, it's also off base. For great knowledge might be obtained in the mysteries of God without any work of grace in the soul. Knowledge itself does not make anyone a child of God. In fact, alone, it tends only to puff up. I agree, said Evangelist. Christ did not tell his disciples, Now that you know these things, blessed are you just for knowing them, or blessed are you if you go on talking about them. Rather, it was blessed are you if you do them. I suggest that there are two types of knowledge, that which rests on mere speculation, and that which is rooted in the grace of faith and love which conforms the heart to the will of God. The former will satisfy those who wish to sit and chat in rooms for hours, but it rings hollow to the true pilgrim. Talkative scoffed. None of this is for edification. You are just laying traps with your words, just as the Pharisees and Sadducees did for our Lord. I assure you this is not my intention. You were about to share a third evidence of God's saving work when I came upon you. Would you share it now? No, I see that we will not agree, so no. Do you mind if I share one? Talkative shrugged. Use your liberty. The work of grace in the soul bears witness both within to the one being saved and without to those looking on. To the one who would be saved, it convicts him of sin, especially the sin of unbelief, for which he is sure to be damned if left to himself. This then gives birth to sorrow and shame for his sin and defilement. Then Christ comes into view and all that he offers, and the sinner is granted faith and begins to hunger and thirst after his Savior. And the stronger his faith, the more joy and peace he has, and the more love of holiness and desire to serve Christ in this world. A new heart brings forth new affections within. From without, others bear witness to this work of grace by hearing his confession of faith and by observing his life, a life of holiness. He will put to death sin in his own heart and, and root it out of his house and promote holy living and thinking among his family, not by talk alone like a hypocrite, but by true submission to the power of the word. He looked at Talkative and said, have you experienced all of this? Does your life bear witness to your speech, or is your religion all in your tongue? Talkative grappled for words, and then settled on, I beg your pardon, sir, but I cannot seem to recall appointing you as my catechizer. I would also love to know who appointed you my judge, that you would ask me such questions and talk to me this way. I ask these questions, Talkative, because everyone knows that you are a man whose religion lies in talk only, and that your life makes a liar of your profession. That is why, when Mr. Greatheart offered to see you safely to the city, you sent him away after only an hour, because he asked you hard questions and would not accept your easy answers. He learned the truth of what many have said, that you are a stain among Christians, that some have already stumbled at your wicked ways and that more are in danger of being destroyed by them. And I will not see you draw either of these men into your empty form of religion, which is just at home drunk on the ale bench or slandering and swearing in the midst of vain company as it is in the pew on the Lord's day. 
Well, since you are so ready to rashly judge me, I must assume that you are a peevish and melancholy man, and, and not fit for conversation with the likes of me, and so... Adieu. He began to walk comically fast, disappearing into the distance. That was a bit rough, no? Faithful said. No, not a bit, for a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf, and Talkative's brand of leaven spreads particularly fast and wide. As St. James has written, faith without works is dead, even as the body without the soul is but a dead carcass. For he tells us that the soul of religion is the practical part. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unpolluted by the world. He did remind me a bit of the serpent in the garden, Christian said, so ready to talk and equivocate but with no real interest in obedience. After all, hearing and saying alone do not a true pilgrim make. To hear is to sow the seed, but how does one know if the seed has been sown successfully? Not by talking of it, but by observing actual fruit, right? The the scriptures compare the end of the world to a harvest, and those who harvest regard nothing but fruit. Yeah, I suppose you're right, Faithful said. On the last day, a naked profession will be useless. And the Apostle Paul did call the great talkers of his day as sounding brass and uh, clanging cymbals. I do wonder if we might have persuaded him of all this, though. Evangelist shook his head sadly. I have spent many, many hours trying to do just that. I will go on praying that the seeds sown will one day germinate, take root, and bear fruit. For now, though, we have dealt plainly with him, and so we are clear of his blood, should he perish. And now we can speak of things that are truly profitable, for words are more valuable when they are tied to life and experience. Speaking of which, Christian, are you still writing those hymns, like the one you showed me near morality? Faithful punched playfully at his old friend's shoulder. Hymns? Really? I mean, I don't know if they're hymns or or poems or... It it makes sense, Faithful said. This man has always been a writer, ink-stained hands since we were lads. Turning back to Christian, he demanded, Well, let's hear one. Oh, I don't know. We won't stop pestering you until you relent. I won't pester you, Evangelist promised. I will. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. (laughs) Do you think we can catch up to talkative? I miss the sound of his voice. I mean, if you're afraid to share your hymns, I, I suppose I understand, but... Oh, fine. I'll recite one. I composed this in the depths of the Valley of the Shadow of Death, which for some of us, was quite an ordeal. O world of wonders, I can say no less, that I should be upheld through deep distress. What I have met with here, O blessed be, his mighty hand which hath delivered me. From dangers, devils, hell, and sin, a veil of darkness hems me in, a world of snares and pits and nets, of goblins, satyrs, dragons, threats that might have tripped and cast me down. But since I live, let Jesus wear the crown. Faithful swallowed hard. That, that is good, Christian. Since I live, let Jesus wear the crown. Pretty good. What do you think, Vange? I think I am glad for your experience. Not that you have met with trials, but that you have been victors. It does me so much good to see you both together and so far along this road and, and to hear you sing the praises of our king 
I am reminded of the words of Jesus in John's Gospel, that the one who sows and those who reap shall rejoice together. And brothers, you will reap if you do not faint. The crown is before you, an incorruptible crown. Run, that you may obtain it. Evangelist came to a stop, and looked first Christian, then faithful, in the eye. But hear me, he said, you are not yet out of the gunshot of the devil. In your struggle against sin, you have yet to resist unto bloodshed. Let the kingdom be always before you, and believe steadfastly concerning the things that are invisible. Let nothing that is on this side of the other world get within you. And above all, look well to your own hearts and the lusts within, for they are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Set your faces like a flint. You have all power in heaven and earth on your side. Faithful's face went grim. Why are you speaking like this now? What's what's coming up on this road? Evangelist placed a hand on each man's shoulder. My sons, you know the word of God, that through many tribulations you will enter into the kingdom of heaven, and that in every city bonds and afflictions await you, and so you cannot expect to go long on your pilgrimage without them in one form or another. As you can see, you are almost out of the wilderness. You will soon come to a town that will beset you on all sides. And there, it is very likely that one or both of you will seal his testimony with blood. Be faithful unto death, and the king will give you a crown of life. Can we not just go around this city? Christian asked. Stay on the narrow path. If one of you does die there, Although your death will be unnatural and your pain perhaps great, you will have it better than your fellow, not only because you will arrive at the celestial city soonest, but because you will escape many miseries that the other will meet with on the rest of his journey. But when you come to that place, quit yourselves like men and commit the keeping of your souls to your faithful creator. You're not coming with us? Faithful asked. No, I'm not. I passed through that town three weeks ago and was expelled, violently, for the third time. I have no fear of that place, but tomorrow I am needed in carnal policy. Souls hang in the balance. Godspeed, my friends. I will see you again, in the city of our king, if not before." They embraced again and parted ways, both Christian and Faithful noticing that the previous speed and enthusiasm with which they had walked and talked had evaporated replaced by a slow and dragging pace. As evening approached, they came out of the wilderness and saw a town in the distance before them. Within a few minutes, they passed a sign along the road that read, Vanity, One Mile. Beneath it was tacked a placard which boasted, Fair open 365 days a year. Faithful took a deep breath and said, Tell me again, Christian, how did that hymn go? Since I live, since I live, let Jesus wear the crown. They were entering a clearing, which led up to the gates of the city, when they came upon a man playing an annoying, trilling song on a penny whistle. He was a silly-looking person in a silly hat, which came to a point straight above his head, and yet he had something of a sad countenance about him. When he saw the pilgrims approaching, he stopped playing, looked up at them, and burst out laughing. <laughs> Are you quite all right, sir? Christian asked. Oh my goodness! Look at the two of you! Are you lost? On the contrary, we are pilgrims on the narrow way, and the narrow way passes through this town, 
which I surmise is called vanity. Oh, you surmise? <laughs> Have you never heard of our town? Have you never heard of Vanity Fair? Why, this place is famous. We are not from nearby, Faithful said. We were both born in the City of Destruction. Oh, there you go. You look like you've never been to a fair in your life. There was a fair in our city every year, Faithful said, which lasted several weeks. I'm ashamed to say I usually spent more time there at the end, when pleasure had replaced commerce. Oh, several weeks, you say? Am I supposed to be impressed? Our fair never ends. And uh, this is no newly erected business or temporary gathering. It is a thing of ancient standing, thousands of years old, ever-growing. The great founders of the fair, Beelzebub, uh, Polyon, and Legion, with some other companions, decided to establish a continual festival in this city for the very reason that pilgrims like you must uh, pass on through. <laughs> what is for sale in this fair, sir? Christian asked. Oh, call me inanity. Okay, what is for sale there, inanity? Oh, anything you might want. Lands, honors, titles, kingdoms, lusts, pleasures, and delights of all sorts, including, but not limited to, uh, harlots, wives, husbands, children, slaves, lives, blood, bodies, souls, silver, gold, pearls, precious stones, and the like. But, but don't think it's chaotic, like many other fairs. It is vast, yes, but there are rows and streets under very proper names where these wares and those services can be found. Oh, and also by country. There is a British row, a French row, an Italian row, a Spanish row, a German row, where all sorts of vanities from, from that land can be purchased. I've lately been binging my way through all the merchandise of Rome, which many consider to be the best and most celebrated items here. It's not exactly my cup of tea, but it's certainly a wonderful way to pass the hours. And, of course, the taverns of bottomless drinks to take the edge off, amidst clouds of fragrant, mind-bending smoke from the east. Truly a lovely way to while away the days. You said hours. What? A moment ago, you said a wonderful way to pass the hours. Now you speak of whiling away whole days. Inanity folded his arms. And what makes up days, if not hours? Let's not be difficult, gentlemen. Well, Faithful said, I suppose we will see for ourselves. I wouldn't go in dressed like that. <laughs> Why not? Those embroidered coats and those uh, marks on your heads? His face darkened so much and so quickly that it seemed to dull the sunlight in the clearing. They've done things to people wearing such garments here. Terrible, unspeakable things. But there are ways around it. I suggest you remove those coats and fashion them into some sort of turban to cover your foreheads and, and perhaps effect some sort of exotic accent. Uh, make a curiosity of yourself and you just might slip through unmolested. We will do no such thing, Christian said. Goodbye, sir, or inanity. The man waved them off and went back to playing his whistle. Christian and Faithful approached the gate of the city and entered beneath a massive arch bearing the name Vanity Fair in bright, colorful letters. Beneath it, in smaller prints, were the words, Eat, drink, and be meaningless, meaningless. Oh, that's yeah, very clever, Faithful mumbled. No sooner had they entered the city than they found themselves in the midst of the fair itself. After such a long time spent either in solitude or encountering only a handful of people here or there, the sight of the crowd was overwhelming, not to mention the sounds and smells. 
From what must have been the center of the fair, a towering maypole rose up well into the sky, colorful ribbons and streamers wrapped around its top and staked to the ground a great distance away, creating the illusion of a huge open-air tent. The sound of multiple songs wafting in from different directions competed for their attention. As they walked deeper into its midst, they saw jesters and jugglers, conjurers, wild beasts chained up, dwarves, giants, and rope dancers. Men and women alike rushed about in the most immodest clothing, openly displaying their lusts. If I had to sum all this up in one word, Faithful barked down Christian's ear, diversions. Yeah, I agree, Christian answered. Diversion from the state of man's heart and the ultimate eternal destiny of the sinner. They passed a toppled booth upon which one man was beating another, shouting, You cheat! You thief! Give me my money back! That was rigged and They you learned know quickly it. to watch their step as the muddy ground was full of ruts and potholes, vomit and excrement. They also realized that inanity had been telling the truth about their dress. Despite the wide variety of clothing and costumes represented, the two pilgrims stood out and drew curious gazes wherever they went. Hey, you! You in the armor! The pilgrims looked down to see a young boy holding a bundle of fresh-cut flowers. Buy a flower? He asked, pushing his bottom lip out, pathetically. Please? Christian smiled and reached for his money bag tied up beneath his breastplate. I don't have much, but I'll happily buy one flower, if it will be a help to you, young man. The moment his purse came into view, the boy snatched it and made to run into the crowd, but Faithful grabbed him by the collar and lifted him up off the ground. Easy there, lad, he said. Let's have that back. The fairgoers in their immediate vicinity were now watching intently and whispering to each other as the boy tossed the purse contemptuously back to Christian, who withdrew three coppers, handed them to the boy, still twisting and kicking a foot off the ground, and took a flower in return. You remind me of my youngest son, Christian said, and I hope you will listen where he has ignored me. The best of books tells us that no thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. The ground tremored a bit beneath their feet, and Faithful dropped the boy, who stared up at Christian, eyes wide, frozen with the look of a deer about to bolt. But please, listen, young man. Our prince died to pay for our sins, and yours. Put your faith in him, and you will be saved. The ground shook again, violently enough to overturn tables, spill drinks, and topple merchandise. Then it ceased. The boy ran off and an eerie sense of calm and quiet descended, like the stillness before a storm. The pilgrims looked around to find every eye in the fair locked on them, looks of malice and murder. Faithful put a firm hand on Christian's shoulder and said, Since we live, let Jesus wear the crown. Indeed, and if we die, all the more. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. The Pilgrim's Progress, From This World to That Which Is to Come, adapted by Zachary Bartles from John Bunyan's Classic Manuscript. This text, copyright 2022, Zachary Bartles. This recording, copyright 2022, High and Silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Additional music and sound effects licensed from Pond5.com and Audio Micro. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com slash audio. 
and silver. Cut. <laughs>